Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks, respectively, throughout their season, as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference, as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. Alright all you cock and balls and welcome back to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. As always, I am Forever QB Gamecock Brian Lowe. And I am all ball Tyler Mack. Guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. As you all know, we did have the week off this last week mm-hmm. respectively as Gamecocks and Volunteers got to really sit down and just enjoy everybody else beating up on each other mm-hmm. and seeing where that might land us respectively in the division, in the conference. <laughs> we went up a ranking You guys didn't w- do a thing. Right. You guys were able to, to jump up a little bit while in the, of course, AP rankings and stuff like that. We slid down and right now are sitting just above Vanderbilt in the SEC East hierarchy. Um, but looking forward to this next slate of games, uh, we are going to, of course, start with our own games, respectively. Uh, both of them will be home games. Florida traveling to williams Bryce Stadium to take on the Gamecocks there in Columbia for a 3.30 kickoff. And Texas A&M coming to Knoxville to Neyland Stadium for a kickoff at the same Time So we are definitely looking at a very packed midday slate of games for the SEC in both South Carolina uh, and Florida playing as well as Texas A&M and Tennessee. Earlier in the day, though, we do have Arkansas at Alabama and Georgia at Vanderbilt. And then the evening slate of games are going to be including Auburn at LSU in the 7 o'clock time slot and Mizzou at Kentucky in the 7.30 game for the evening. There's some East implications in that game. Oh, for sure. Both of them have one loss. Uh, So Missouri and Kentucky will be looking to establish that SEC East dominance. For themselves, anyway. For themselves in that game. Um, I mean, at this point, unless teams really start losing out, South Carolina is going to be hanging out down there with Vandy. In terms of that stuff, uh, Tennessee, of course, with just the one loss. I mean, you're looking at in the east behind Georgia, uh, Kentucky, Mizzou, and Tennessee all sitting there with a single loss Mm -hmm. uh, in conference conference, with South Carolina sitting at uh, two conference losses. Uh, oh, Florida as well with just the one. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. The one to Kentucky, so a big tie for second place. Yeah, there's there is a currently a four-way tie for second place after Georgia. So many Gamecocks to come South, through. Then South Carolina and Georgia after that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am definitely uh, hoping that that is the case, and and we will be able to go into the next week with, mm. with Florida having two, two losses. losses in the conference, and then there being a – Multiple way tie Pretty for uh, third place. Another conference at that point. loss gets Florida out of the out of the picture. Yeah, for the yeah, most yeah. part. So you can pretty much bank on out of the picture. Uh, you really can over pretty anybody. pretty much bank a two two conference loss team yeah. as being done in in either division. There's not really a chance that they're going to be able to go to 
um, not only their their conference championship, but but the Natty. But yeah, you're not going to look at anything on a on a national scale. Mm-mm. Not this year, anyway. Next year, that may be a different scenario. That's true. However, that's true. You Two know, since we're going to as much to the to the year. twelve team playoff, and that's definitely something that we will cover during the mm-hmm. off season. Before we get into this, I, I read a story before we started uh, recording that I felt I needed to mention. Uh, so the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, has been named one of America's top colleges by Forbes magazine. The list ranks UT first among public universities in Tennessee, 65th among all public universities, and 144th overall out of the 500 public and private universities. Uh, being listed among the country's top institutions is a fitting tribute to the dedication and excellence of our faculty, staff, and students, said Vice Chancellor Provost and Senior Vice Chancellor John Zomchik. Uh, so, some good news for the Vols there outside of the football realm. I uh, just felt like reading that. Uh, it's based off of graduation rate stuff success right. at the college it's also been voted in the top ranking of uh, by Forbes as one of the best employer for new graduates one of the co- country's best large employers and a best place for working parents so a little non-football success for Tennessee there before we get into the countdowns uh, but which which where do you want to start for these countdowns starting west starting east well, I mean, let's just go ahead and start with ours. Yeah. Um, I was listening to uh, what would have been last night's broadcast of Late Kick. Mm-hmm. And was listening to the the segment that he normally does um, talking about um, program temperature. What the a yeah. majority of the, the intelligent fan base of, of a given... Uh, uh, program, what their overall, you know, the the main core, not the outliers, not the the fringe fans, not the bandwagon fans, not the ones that, like for us, a, a South Carolina fan, we've got the people that said, oh, it should be automatic after Beamer went, you know, seven wins in year one, eight wins in year two, the next logical step has to be nine, ten wins. Yeah, most Southeast teams, that's their math. Yeah, it, it, and, and it doesn't really work that way. Mm-hmm. But um, taking and removing all those types of fans, you know, your, your logical fans, keeping that, that core 65 70% of what the fan base is. And the, the temperature for A&M was not that great. Cold. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it cold, but just that, well, in terms of temperatures, I wouldn't say that Jimbo's seat is heating up just yet. I mean, yeah, there will be some people who are not happy with him, happy with how the outcome of things are going right now, especially with the length of time that he has been with the program and the fact that he does have his his players into the program now after coming yeah. off of the number one ranking recruiting class in the last couple of years and these that class is now in what would be their junior class yeah this is his class and they still haven't been able to produce double digit wins the fan base is getting is getting antsy mm-hmm. but his his saving grace right now and the fact that if he were to get bought out 
his buyout is currently at $76 million. Over $76 million. So I don't... I know there's a lot of oil money in Texas, but I don't think anybody's ready to write that check just yet. No. I know that they're definitely going to be looking for something to do on the when road. people start that <laughs> stuff, though, like fire them, buy them out, get rid of them, fire them, get rid of them. A lot of that main uh, fan base that does that, the no offense to, to the uneducated fan base. Right. The, they watch just to watch and cheer. They don't know, like, the in, inner workings. Uh, if you want your tickets to increase and your parking passes to increase in price, sure, go ahead and fire them. Yeah. Because that's, that's who's going to be ultimately paying for three buyouts it. going on at one time at the University of Tennessee after Butch was fired. And not just for coaches of the football program. Yes. There were multiple others Fortunately, going on. we did not have to pay Pruitt because of what happened. Because yeah. of what happened. And I mean, it was being paid at one point in time, but then, yes. all, of course, then all of that got scratched. found guilty, they were like, oh, nope. But you had... Fulmer going. You still had Butch Jones that was being paid yeah. off. You still had For Kiffin years, that was had, being paid. Yeah, we there was a uh, point some where other like uh, uh, other higher up there prominent was a officials point where Dooley, Butch, the acting coach after Butch was fired. Yeah, who was our OC at the time, and for until he was found guilty, a Pruitt buyout. Yeah, was happening. So. We had three to four buyouts going on at the same time, and Tennessee fans were like, why are tickets being increased? This is well, why. this is why. I jokingly at one point in time on what would have been my tip jar said uh, side tips to help pay off yeah. Tennessee's Tennessee buyout. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee Tennessee's buyout. buyout funds. It worked. It did for a little while. Yeah. It did. Um, but thankfully, I mean, Tennessee has, has mm-hmm. gotten their fan base re-energized. Yeah, that's nice. <clears throat> And and a lot of people are continuing. Not that there was a huge drop off in attendance for Tennessee games. Like I don't think they ever dropped below like seventy five thousand at any mm-hmm. point in time. But whenever you've got another twenty seven thousand people that you can fit into that stadium, which is the capacity for some stadiums across the college landscape, mm-hmm. then I mean, of it course, it light. makes a difference. <laughs> Yeah. Um, not only does the, the stadium in itself look kind of empty, mm-hmm. just because most of those higher-up seats are what's going to be It's kind of like I equate open. to here in the theater world. A uh, hundred people audience at the Comedy Barn looks great. A hundred people in the Opry audience oh, yeah. did not look great because right. it had like 1,300 seats. Right, you're looking so. at a 600-seat a, a capacity yeah. theater versus a 1,500-seat yeah. capacity theater. So, and, it just, it's, yeah. and so when when you sell out at a little over 101, 75 looks light. Yeah. It does, because a lot of them are like lower bowl and you start seeing these uppers, empty seats. Yep. And then, of course, at that point in time, ticket prices being higher because you are having to pay some of this stuff out, but mm-hmm. then... Some of that money's being recuperated, and now that you've got the the fan base re-energized, you know people are donating more money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many of our listeners at this point really fully go into following stuff mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Uh, but Kentucky coach Mark Stoops recently, I think it was Monday evening during his uh, coach's call-in show or just his uh, radio show or whatever it is that he does says well i mean the fans have every right to complain but if you want it to get better donate more money i mean other teams have bought players 
I mean, I can think of a couple other teams that's got 85 of them. They now bought them, paid have, for them. Now that we have NIL. It's not illegal anymore. Yeah, it's not so, illegal anymore, so donate. Yeah, and you know. and that's ultimately what it's going to take. But there's so many people of a fan base that will not understand that or will refuse to do that. Mm-hmm. And and there you may see programs just get lost to attrition. Uh, I wouldn't say that any Blue Bud programs would wind up having that happen to it. But I think that the future landscape of college football in this scenario with how it is basically becoming a a form of employment for collegiate athletes mm-hmm. while they're going to school mm-hmm. for some of these different things as a precursor. And in some cases, athletes that are fantastic collegiate athletes but can't make that transition into the pros will still be able to collect a paycheck for a certain extent and I'm not fully against that but I think you're going to see a situation where and we kind of talked about this uh, during one of the episodes of like you can there's going to be a a super conference a Mm -hmm. power super conference that's going to have X number of teams in it and then there's going to be a Kind of like the NFC, AFC. Like yes. there's 16 NFC, 16 uh, AFC. And you've got North, South, East, West. Each one of them has four uh, mm-hmm. uh, teams in each one of the divisions uh, according to how that runs. I don't think it will ever get whittled down to 32 for collegiate athletics. It may. But then comes into play what we were talking about where you can play yourself up into one of those spots yeah. depending on how you play. Yeah. And if you, like, you're say the, the next the year, yeah, you're – but it, then that turns around and, and, and reverts back to uh, – um, and maybe it needs to have more stipulations. Like, if you have a base average of X over the course of this many years yeah. without drop-off, yeah, then you can join in the – upper or mm-hmm. the whatever it may be called but yeah it just it, it seems like the the more we head that direction the the more likely something like that's going to happen and the the fandom that I'm personally a part of I fear that it may turn into a situation where they could perennially be one of those fringe teams that could possibly be held and 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 it could all come down to based off of nothing but financials honestly like yes this this team may have a a, a better better showing as far as their football prowess and stuff like that but uh like right now duke duke is doing fairly well in the world of collegiate football that doesn't happen all that often but even if they were to do something this year, yeah, you would have a little bump up or, or a moderately sizable increase in, in income and stuff like that for the school. But it's not going to be like Michigan, no. Ohio State, Texas, those places that, you know, Tennessee, those, those teams that regardless, they've got a fan base across the entirety of the country, not just... In, not just in the, the middle of North yeah. Carolina, yeah. that that funds that type of stuff. So I wonder if it's going to be a situation to where it's ultimately and eventually just going to come down to, okay, if your school pulls in 
2.7 billion dollars in a year you're going to be in in the big boys mm-hmm. club but if you're below that then you know you're in a completely different yeah subdivision and category but then okay well somebody decides all right we're going to be able to do more for fundraising does that then get you into the 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 big leagues as mm-hmm. it were and then if somebody falters off do they get you know passed down and passed you know to the other so definitely a lot of stuff to be able to look into and and questions to be answered and even probably more questions to pose once we do get into the off season but before we yeah. have time get away from us too much Let's get back around to the actual Texas A&M game, which started this tangent uh, and talking about how how things are going. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as the team that, that Jimbo Fisher has coming into into Tennessee, into Neyland Stadium, uh, and how close this game is right now. Tennessee is favored by three and a half points. Mm-hmm. The over-under is currently sitting through ESPN analytics at 54 and a half. Uh, I think for this one, as far as betting terms, I am not going to touch the spread. Um, but I think the the defensive prowess of both of these teams, mm-hmm. because Tennessee is number two in rushing offense mm-hmm. in the entire country. Texas A&M is number six rushing defense in mm-hmm. the entire country. So a lot, uh, of, a lot of crossing out of yeah. each other. So I I don't think, and it's going to be a situation where, uh, not to mention uh, A&M is also up there in sacks, Uh, in their sack rate. Yes, uh, they are. Um, They will definitely be, um, numbers-wise, a a, a force to kind of rival Beasley's numbers. I, I still feel that this is going to be a Tennessee victory, personally. Uh, but I don't, I don't see it being a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a defensive knockdown dragout. It may come down to uh, Max Johnson and and Joe Milton trying to get something going in the mm-hmm. air because I don't think the the rush is going to be there really for either team. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because the defenses in that aspect are going to cancel each other out, and we are still going with a Milton who. You know, he on paper he he's not looking terrible, but if you're there watching the game, it almost seems like he is a little afraid of his dropping uh, completion rate, and like he's like, oh god, you know, I mean, and it's the fact that he can't hold onto the ball and like the the touch, the intermediate, the intermediate passing. Mm -hmm. I know that the the receivers have done. He's great for. Yeah, yards. <laughs> the the receivers have have you know said that we practice with the tens unit. We go mm-hmm. ahead and turn it up to, to try to match what his and what his speed not even, and power and stuff is. You're not getting, um, but it's going to be some of those explosive plays. I think uh, kind of like the the pass to Squirrel White down along the sideline mm-hmm. uh, against South Carolina in the game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's going to be plays like that yeah. that are going to to take it and to stuff that points. is not going to be expected. Uh, and of course, uh, you said this is a checkered game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the history has shown that that the checkering is is not or change it. Right. Since we are nearing Halloween and we're always near Halloween when we checker games, typically these days, I think we should orange and black checker. 
as opposed to orange and white checker. I think orange and black would look so cool. Uh, that I do In not disagree stadium. with you. I Especially do not this disagree. Time of year. Oh, it looks so cool. But I, we are orange and white checkering this weekend. So Our yeah, section is white. That, that being aside, oh, so you're going to have to. Are you really going to have to dig for anything? But I have okay, an old, old white jersey. It's got uh, you have eight. the old. Okay, the Clawson. Uh, 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 it was actually a Bray. Oh, okay. I didn't like Tyler Bray, but I, my favorite number is eight. So right. Man. He happened to be number eight. And he happened Man. to be number eight. <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I feel that while it is going to be a low-scoring and close game, mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee is going to take the victory. And basically just based off of the, the house of horrors that is Neyland Stadium. I mean, you talk about it being close to Halloween, and that's mm-hmm. usually whenever uh, South Carolina would play Tennessee would be closer to the Halloween game. Yeah, I remember those being a kid being like the game before the game after Halloween and student section always dressing up. Those are some of my favorite memories as a kid. But I mean, for instance, to name a few things, we've got Milton sitting at 1,164 yards, uh, Jalen Wright sitting at 435 rushing yards, White is sitting at 276, uh, Kamal Haddon sitting at two interceptions, and of course the 33 tackles by For Beasley. Beasley. Yeah. Um, we're sitting at, I believe, sixth in the nation for tackles for loss. For tackles for loss, um, sacks yard loss. Yeah, we're sitting at six with thirty-seven total. Nice. So, uh, I, and like you said, uh, these are two very defensive teams, uh, especially against the run game. Um, I think if it's, we see a poised Milton who doesn't play afraid and 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 i don't know who to blame on this like i sit you know i I told you that i sit in front of sometimes and beside sometimes people who should have been d1 athletes in their mind (laughs) right Um, you know uh uh, stadium stadium coaches xbox coordinators xbox coordinators uh who get so angry at these these wide out throws that milton loves to do these like just like catch, quick throw a block by one receiver and the other one just jets. Like it's, if it's, it's the working, type of it's the type of passing game that what Tennessee was so prominent for last year, and and this is something this that year. I heard as far as yeah that I heard as far as for uh, from Hypel is that that's not us this year. If you have actually been watching and paying attention to Tennessee football, we are trying to be a run first team this year. Yeah. Because we have, have the line weapons. and we have the the yeah the the deep stable mm-hmm. of three basically three RB ones that can be rotated mm-hmm. regularly at any point in time, and I know that Samson would prefer to be the beginning of that list, but you know because usually any time he has the opportunity, I mean he's busting out seven eight yards mm-hmm. at a whack, and, and one of the highest individual yards per carry averages. Like uh, nine point even even six bef- or something before like that. Before and after contact. Yeah. It seems like the little guy, you're kinda like, how is it right? It's so hard to take this little guy down. It, low center of gravity. Yeah. <laughs> it, he, he just he's all legs. He's doing nothing but continuously churning. But we are still sitting at uh, thirty six point two points per game average. Not as good as we were last year. No. But you know, 
again different Tennessee this year. It is a different Tennessee, and that's what I think a lot of a lot of the 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 more recent Tennessee fans are having issues are with. having issues with because they they saw the team last year and saw what they were. Like I'm sure that there were people that that just completely came out of the bushes, Homer Simpson like. Uh, I'm a Vol fan now. Yeah, I'm a Vol fan. And then they're like looking at this team and they're saying, what the hell happened? We were so dominant in this type of attack and everything else last year. All those people are now in the NFL, man. It happens year after year. Tell me you're a casual without telling me you're a casual. What are your thoughts as far as outcome score, covering the spread, over, under? What's like I said, saying? What's the three spread? and a half, three and a half in favor of Tennessee. What does that mean again? Three possessions or three points? Points, three and a half points. Okay. So they're thinking we win by a field goal. Pretty much, yeah. Like I said, I think it's probably going to be closer to a touchdown than anything yeah. else. Four plus points. I want to uh, say four on plus the, points on the swing sp- on it. It's my spread. But. but again, like I say, I don't think that they're going to get anywhere near fifty plus points in this game. I don't. I mean, unless they just shock the either team, just shocks us and just opens up. Which again, we've said it almost every episode. Any given Saturday can happen. it can happen. Yeah, I don't think this is a high scoring game. I don't think we cover the spread. I don't think there's sixty something points scored in this game. I'm feeling twenty one fourteen in a defensive game. Yeah, I can see that. Twenty one fourteen is my my pick. Sounds good. Well, of course, we have mentioned that it is October. Yes. But as a Gamecock fan, you know that it is now Cocktober, and the Gamecocks generally tend to play lights out throughout the entire month of October, Mm -hmm. and I hope that is definitely going to be the case this year because we start off with the home game against the Florida Gators, who were able to beat Tennessee earlier this year, Mm -hmm. but have fallen to the likes of both Utah and Kentucky Mm -hmm. at the same time. So not entirely sure what version of Florida that we are going to get. And an interesting tidbit in this, Billy Napier, head coach for Florida, right now is 1-7 in road games throughout his entire tenure being the head coach of the University of Florida. They can play all the best football they can <laughs> while they're in the swamp. Once they leave the swamp, they are oxygen. apparently abysmal. And I hope that that trend continues. And the thing that's scary right now is you thought that the line on the Tennessee-Texas A&M game was, was bad, mm-hmm. was too close for comfort. According to ESPN, and I think it only got as high as the same three and a half, that they are giving Tennessee in this one is that South Carolina is currently favored by two points with the current overall under sitting at 51 and a half for this game. Okay. Um. I, I, I am going to put all of my thought and feeling and energy into the fact that it is October and the fact that we just came off of a bye week. Uh, Shane Beamer in his two years as the head coach of the University of South Carolina is 2-0 and coming off of the bye week with uh, wins in the past against Kentucky and last year against Texas A&M. Well, and you also have a Florida who, they have to run against you. Yes. 
They'll have to run against you. And and the thing about it is, is where I, we may have definitely had some improved play because we did have the additional time since it has been the bye week. Um, mm-hmm. This is another one that I'm not entirely sure if the the actual scoring is going to get up there. Mm-hmm. Um, to to hit 51 points, I mean, you're looking at three plus touchdowns for either team. Just to be able to get in the realm of of being, you know, they're close to the to the over under for this game, mm-hmm. and and history has dictated right now that that's not the case. Which is like I said, I'm I'm just hoping for for October to to shine bright, and not only that, but continue the momentum going into the next two weeks because we have back to back road games against both uh, Mizzou and Texas A and M. Hmm. To I to mean, round out what October would be, so I mean maybe Mertz this is is sitting at a bit better pass completion percentage, but I would say, well they've also played more. They games. played more games, um, and the last game where Tennessee played South Carolina, that put a, a hindrance on his completion because he's just not used to playing that on Rattler stat yeah, line. on Rattler yeah. stat line. Other than that. I don't think Mertz is, is as good as a QB. I no, don't. He's we just—he's—he's he's very fortunate with his O line and some of his weapons. Yeah, South Carolina is definitely going to have to get pressure if we're going to do anything to disrupt uh, Graham Mertz and mm-hmm. not allow him to 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 actually be the quarterback that a lot of people think he can be. Um, but of course. <laughs> In in the in the history and what my known history of South Carolina has been, is typically those types of things have happened. But again, this is one of my in my heart of hearts. I am going to ride the wave that is October, and and, and you're at that, home and and being at home. Uh, this is also Fair Week. Some uh-huh. fantastic things happen town. during Fair Week. A lot of people in town. Um, not see a capacity. You probably see a compa- uh, capacity. Willie B. Oh, for sure. The um, the the stadium's gonna be, be sold shaken. out. You'll probably have an- another thousand people sitting outside. Right. With it being tailgating the, and watching and listening to the game. So and and the the parking for Williams Bryce Stadium is next to the fairgrounds. So it's a situation to where you would be, be able to. Too. Yeah, you would be able to leave at halftime. Go over to the fairgrounds, grab you a, a funnel cake, a, a, a caramel <laughs> apple, whatever. Play a couple of games during halftime, yeah. and then come back in and and be set for the third quarter, and finish the second half of the game. But um, yeah, I'm just hoping that all that energy, all that that great gamecock energy, is going to be flowing and it's going to be electric for that afternoon kickoff because people are going to have a little bit of time to to sleep in and get prepared beforehand. Mm-hmm. Not an early kick, but uh, listening to um, some interviews with South Carolina players from this last week and from the bye week and stuff like that, one of the questions that had been asked because the majority of South Carolina games this year have been night games, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people like the night games at williams Bryce just because you are under the lights. You do have the opportunity for all these, these fun things to happen with the lights, with the, the light show and everything else. Um, did the players prefer either the early game or the afternoon game as opposed to the night game just because with the night game they're basically sitting there in the hotel room 
all day and and they've got too much time for for to think about stuff and things like that so so they prefer those earlier games or the the mid-afternoon games so they've got time to get up you know or have a, a good night's sleep you know uh, uh, maybe a slow start to the morning but get some food in them and everything else and and go through preparation but still have that anxiousness of like waking up on game day you, and if ready I compare to go it to uh, like an opening night of a show because I'm a theater guy yeah I barely eat that day because I, I those, your, those butterflies. Your energy like, I, is, I can do this like I've been doing theater for 25 plus years almost and it's still two things that absolutely are as as sure as death and taxes one I absolutely still to this day no matter how many shows I have under my belt hate auditions they're so cold they're so you know I hate them I hate hate, it's just you as the one person or maybe you have someone that you're reading with or something like that and you're staring at what would be these people who are who are every single bit of what they're looking at is nothing but a complete judgment assessment and everything of what you are doing and the other thing that is absolute still is opening nights i barely eat anything because my stomach's already like you're open the night you got everything ready is everybody going to be at their a game you know is anybody gonna be late to call are you going to be late to call right (laughs) you know just like so i barely eat and so the fact that i know that on game day some of these people eat an insane amount of calories going into the game right to burn to get that energy i'm like i'd be throwing up all over the field (laughs) if i ate as much as they did before an opening night i would be like you're gonna you're gonna miss mic check because i'm gonna be in the bathroom right (laughs) so the fact that they that they get up uh, even in these after even not even these early kickoffs even these like 12 and three o'clock kickoffs they get up so early still and I get it, it's the athlete's life. Yeah. Um, I'm not an athlete. Um, not even a mathlete. I'm not even a mathlete. <laughs> um, and they, they, you know, they eat all these carbs, and they're like, they're loading, and, you know, they get their bacon and eggs and, and ham and sausage and, and omelets and stuff like that, and, you know, probably at the calf if it's a home game. Right. Um, I'm just like, God, I'd be sick. God, I'd be sick. Um but if I had to equate it, it's like an opening night for them. For them, every weekend's a new opening yeah, night. Yeah, every week. Yeah, yeah. Instead of because shows, you do the same show. Practice has been the rehearsal. Yeah, but with like like we're in the middle of Matilda right now. Like we'll only do Matilda for two weekends. That's it. Yeah, it's not another show this day and another show the next day. Like they're always against different things. Yeah. So every every week it's the a new show. Anxieties alone as yeah. a football player, especially a college football player. Um, ugh. Yeah. I, I applaud that. For, for them, every yeah. week is, is a new show. It's a new show. Monday or Sunday actually starts yeah. rehearsals for Saturday coming up. Yeah. Kind of like what you SNL does. You get like does. maybe one day a week off. Yeah. And then. Then you're to it. Next then, team. Yeah, it's to it. Yeah. That's crazy. And like you said, they, they wake up Saturday morning and, and curtain calls either at 12, 3, yeah. 3.30. Yeah. Or 7, 7.30, 7, man. 7.30. And, and I, just, I just don't get it. I applaud these these younglings. Absolutely. Uh, but getting back to the game, uh, I know you and your absolute disdain for all things that chomp. Yes. <laughs> that you are going to be going against mm. the Gators. Against, and always against the Gators. Always against the Gators. And we'll be rooting for my Gamecocks mm-hmm. in this one. And we'll be taking them to 
to win. Uh, do you think they're going to cover the two points? I mean, that's kind of a tough... That's a tough thing. This to one do. this one may turn into the one that I was talking about last week yeah. after the review that I think South Carolina this week or this year is going to have a, a walk-off winner based off of either a one. late touchdown or a late field goal. Or uh, a special teams. Uh, something along those job. lines, yeah, to, to be able to get the dub. I, I would hope that it would be against someone like Mizzou or Texas A&M that has a little bit more I, well, I can't say that it has more clout to it because if you take down the Gators at any point in time, even whenever they're down, that's saying something. Yeah. Just because of the sheer raw talent that goes or that comes out of the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, of course, want to get the, the dubs over A&M one because we haven't gotten any except for the one last year since A&M has come to the SEC. And then, dang it. South Carolina you, needs a win over Drink. I, I think you, over Drinkowitz. I think you win by a whole touchdown. Whole touchdown. All right. Cool deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say anything as far as that when you know me. I don't do any kind of full-on betting uh, as far as the Gamecocks because as year as I put some sort of definitive or that that you know uh, uh, of a, a, a definitive mm-hmm. thing on it, something on the opposite is going to happen. So I'm just. Just taking, like I said, Cocktober all the way. Gamecocks win. I'm not going to say what they cover or if they cover or the over-under or anything on that mm-hmm. one. But, of course, give me the Gamecocks. Cox by 90, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, sticking uh, sticking in the East, we got a, a poor matchup for Vanderbilt. Absolutely. And we are – there are a few of us from here uh, amongst the, the Tennessee legend family – uh, that will yeah. be in Nashville. Uh, of course, it will not be Saturday. We're not going to be going over until Sunday. Smart, right? Uh, but there probably will be some some leftover, some some, some hangover dogs uh, around town. Maybe even catching uh, flights or going ahead and heading on out of town a little early. So we'll probably pass some of them on our way uh, across the the state. Uh, but you're right, Georgia traveling to Vanderbilt, to First Bank Stadium over there at the construction site in Nashville, Tennessee, to take on the Commodores. Right now, the line is Georgia is favored by 31 and a half points in this game. <laughs> That's the spread. That is the spread, the spread and the over-under is 56 points. So right now they're, they're saying... Primarily, Georgia's got all the points. Oh, yeah. Uh, for sure, um, and and I wouldn't think that it would be be set up in any different capacity for this. Uh, it is a noon kickoff, so um, there will be a lot of people, <laughs> probably drunk on the town, uh, going down Broadway uh, in the different uh, honky tonks and uh, places there along Broadway in Nashville. Uh, so please be careful for that. Uh, please don't kick anyone. <laughs> or, you know what, if you're a Commodore and you feel it in your heart of hearts, if someone starts barking at you, go ahead kick and em. kick them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's not much we can say about this one. I honestly think Georgia will probably cover in this one. While uh, um, uh, Vanderbilt's uh, wide, rece- wide receiver, uh, Shepard, is, is doing phenomenal. Um, 
it, it, George is just going to be too much, honestly, yeah. uh, for this game. I mean, even though Georgia did did have some some hiccups earlier in the year, whenever they were playing their cupcake teams like Ball State, uh, um, who was the MTSU. Yeah, or uh, yeah, that they played to begin with and had a, a couple. Uh, uh, I don't want to say errors, but they weren't quite gelling just yet. I mean, it was taking getting through uh, South Carolina and a couple other teams, and then of course just laying a complete thumping on Kentucky uh, this last week. I, I think that they've got the wheels are, are turning and like we said on the the review of what last week's what uh, games were this is this is the the potentially three-peating national championship Georgia that we saw mm-hmm. against Kentucky this last week and that Georgia team should by all means just completely mop the floor with the Commodores in this one uh, so yeah, give me Georgia. Uh, I'm going to take the spread on this, and I don't even think it's going to hit 56 points, just because Georgia's going to completely blow Vanderbilt out of the water and not let them score. I honestly would be surprised if Vanderbilt gets one, one actual touchdown, uh, offensive touchdown in this game. Yeah. If they score more than 10 points, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, and I have to agree. I mean, their QB's got pretty good. Uh, some pretty good stats where we're sitting, uh, except for his completion. It is way lower than most others. It's sitting at like 53% completion rate, which I get if you're still over 500 as a quarterback in college. You're right. still doing great. Um, but against a defense like Georgia, especially if they play the way they played last week, um, I don't look for Swan to be able to do as much on offense that would need to negate all the defense that Georgia's doing. I mean, they've – yeah, I don't see Swan <laughs> rallying the way that he needs to against that Georgia defense, and uh, I see Georgia just running and running and running and running and running. I see Brock getting some more records. As oh, a, Brock Bowers yes. setting some potential individual game records and mm-hmm. stuff like that, absolutely. Uh, and then and, and, and continuing to further cement his legacy with number of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this is this is probably going to be just turning into a pad statting game for the yeah. for the Bulldogs in this one. Uh, fun little side stat uh, at kickoff. This will be the second coldest game in the SEC. Really? Yeah. Uh, at kickoff for noon over in Nashville, it is expected to be 58 degrees at kickoff for this game. The only other one that will be colder at kickoff is the Mizzou-Kentucky game in Kentucky. It's because Kroger Field is cold, baby. 57 degrees. It and is the definitely... the wind and the cold sets in on Kroger Field, it's insane. It, it is definitely fall. That crispness mm-hmm. is in the air, and you know that it is full-fledged time for, for football, or at least mid-season football. Uh, it won't be too much longer. We'll be seeing potentially snow games yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. at different places across the country. Uh, moving on, that actually takes care of. Actually, no, that's not the entire East. Actually, uh, because we do have uh, we got a later kickoff for the Mizzou SEC Kentucky. East. Yeah, uh, uh, Mizzou at Kroger Field. Uh, like I said, it's going to be cold. The winds. Uh, I've I've been in Kroger Field once, but never for a game. 
and even on this spring day that I was in Kroger Field, the way the wind and the cool weather sets in on that stadium, it's like a cold blanket sitting on your bones. It's just there's something about it. It's so weird to even explain. Uh, if you ever get a chance, be to watch a South Carolina at Kentucky game just to kind of get right. a, a feel of Kroger Field, I highly recommend it. Uh, but I, I'm – and they have mostly SEC. the the like aluminum bleachers and yes. stuff too, don't they? Yeah. So yeah, that all that cold. and cold concrete, cold, cold. bleachers, cold. all that just just factors into yeah. it. SEC East implications: seeing who drops to third in the East and seeing who stays tied for second. Yep. Um, the Mizzou Wild having Cats a good are, run. Wildcats uh, got embarrassed last weekend. Missouri had a much better game than they did. Kentucky coming back home, mm. going to be back there in Kroger Field. Uh, Big Blue Nation probably going to show out completely. Um, I don't know how well Mizzou is going to travel, especially going to Kentucky. Uh, but like you say, this this is either the point where Missouri is going to take what happened last week against LSU which they played LSU to the wire. I mean, don't get me wrong; oh, it wound yeah. up being a ten-point game, and it was it it was LSU only a it was it. only a three-point game until that pick-six sealed it. Yeah. So I mean, they were playing them to the wire, and Mizzou was driving and had the such opportunity. An LSU thing. Yeah, and very much so. At the end, such an LSU thing. It 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 leads me to believe that I mean this one is going to probably be one of the better games. Uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky right now is only favored by two and a half points. It's two different types of offenses. Kentucky's going to try to ground and pound, uh, try and to get Davis going again. Combo on Missouri, and then of course yeah on the Missouri side you've got uh, Brady Cook and Luther Burden in that. QB receiver combo that has just been deadly. Uh, it doesn't matter. It seems like uh, just like Xavier Leggett, it doesn't matter who you put on him. He's been able to get open. They make me think of last year's uh, Hendon to Hyatt. Yeah. That's what they make me think of. It's insane. But something – and the, the over-under right now is set at, at 52.5 for this, and this is another another cat fight, um, yep. a tiger versus the wildcat in this capacity. And they're still my second team under the Vols. I've still got to – I guess still got to go with the Cats to win to upset Drink uh, in Kroger Field. I know it's not going to be like an upset since they are technically favored. Uh, Vegas wouldn't tell you it's that much of an upset. Right. But I would say if they beat Drink in Kroger Field with the, the deadly combo that Missouri has had and they knock them down to like third in the SEC um, – as much as I do not like Kentucky football, I'm really not a, a big blue fan mm. in any capacity. I know my older brother would say, Christopher would say he wants to be us. That gives Missouri their second loss. Right. That's how he would say, I want to be the Vols to give Missouri their second loss. No, I want them to get their third loss against us. Right. To just completely knock them out. Yeah. Um I want them to already have a loss to the Blue Nation before they come to us. Before they come to the Vol Nation. Yeah, exactly. Big orange country. Yeah. Uh, like I said, as, uh, even though I, I do not like Kentucky. Can you cheer for drink? I'm an even... I have an even bigger dislike <laughs> for, for Mizzou and Eli Drinkowitz. 
So I I am personally going to to take Kentucky on this one and hope that they get the victory. Uh, Put anything on the spread. I'm going to go over under. Uh, I actually think this is going to go over 52 and a half points. Okay. Um, I think that that yeah Davis um, the the big blue wall is going to be able to open up holes and allow Davis to do his thing. Um, he's going to be delivering touchdowns all throughout the day. And I think that the, the combination, the secondary uh, for Kentucky, is going to be giving up some serious plays to Burden mm-hmm. uh, and Cook. And, and it's going to be I, – I, we'd call it a shootout, even though there's only one gunslinger, as it were, in Brady Cook in this instance. It's an offensive shootout. Yeah, an offensive shootout. Run versus throw. Uh, I'm going to say probably 60-plus in this game. I'm okay. going to say third, probably both teams scoring 35-plus in this game, nice. uh, which would be five touchdowns each. I, and be it being at night with so much stuff that's on the line for this game uh, – yeah, I, wild. It'll be a wild game. It, it'll it'll probably come down to either a special teams miscue on one side and the other t- side either able to capitalize it or has a a late lead and and is able to make a stop in some capacity. It's it's while it may not be the exact two and a half points close, like, like quite a field goal close, Kentucky's but, got a field goal up on them. Kicks off with a couple minutes left. Gets Missouri a stop, drops, it. drops whatever, drops yeah, or they, they or or own. Mizzou gets it with a um, fourth and two stand. They try to do the brotherly shove. Kentucky, you stops know, it. stuffs it, and Kentucky takes over on downs. Starts kneeling, and and yeah, doesn't pull a crystal ball and try to get pay Davis another touchdown or whatever. They actually do what you're supposed to do yes. and kneel. Yes. Um, so yeah, give me the give me the cats, and I'm going to go over the 52 and a half okay. in this one. Uh, something that we didn't mention before we do the the West games is that SEC Nation uh, is supposed to be over in Knoxville. Yeah, going to be in England uh, for the the A&M Tennessee game, which of course is a 3:30 game. So uh, that whole crew, oh Marty will be there. <laughs> yep, you're going to have Marty McGee. Uh, Tim Tebow, old Paul Feinbaum. Uh, I, I can stomach Paul. I know he was a graduate, but I can stomach his negative nanciness way more than I can stomach Tim Tebow talking. Well, uh, I mean, the last time they were there was for the, the Alabama-Tennessee game, and, and y'all won the, yep. the best entrance for Paul Feinbaum I think I've Taker, ever seen. Undertaker entrance. <laughs> In my life, that was a fantastic entrance. Well, guys, moving over to the West, before we run out of time for this episode and get the rest of these previews in, uh, we are looking at Arkansas traveling to Alabama, the Hogs taking on the Tide. Tuscaloosa. Yep. In Bryant-Denny Stadium for a noon kickoff. Alabama currently favored by 19 points. Over-under on this game is sitting at 46.5 points. Arkansas, unfortunately, this is not their year after the year that they had last year. Currently yeah. sitting at two and four overall, zero and three in the SEC. The really the only two games that they have managed to win have been their two non-conference games that they have played up to this point, yeah. and have of course lost all of their uh, conference games that they have played thus far. Listen, Arky, we've all been there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We've all been there. 
So um, we've keep we've, your head up. We've grown the. <laughs> you know, you said that that the line used to be across the division mm-hmm. was Tennessee to Arkansas, and yeah. now I believe that fully South Carolina is being able to to draw the line across um, with with uh, um, Mississippi State and and Vanderbilt. Not necessarily. I guess you could kind of uh, draw a line from South Carolina to either Mississippi State or Arkansas, depending on what year it mm-hmm. is. So, uh, but ever do you see any any possibility of of a spoiler happening? The I fact mean, of the fact Jefferson sitting at thirteen hundred yards, almost seventy percent pass completion. He's at uh, uh, five hundred overall on his touchdown interception ratio. Twelve touchdowns to to six, six interceptions. interceptions. That's a bad. That's interceptions. That's, man. that's not the best stat line. Um, that's something very similar to what Rattler was running with last year until toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, could Jefferson? You know, find his stride midway through the season, uh, compared to what everything has been, or how everything has been happening as of late. Um, I think that they're desperately needing to get to their bye week to be able to get a reset. So, no, I really don't see the the opportunity for an upset here in this one. I'm taking, uh, like I said, we yeah, we've definitely we've learned, learned our lesson not really to bet against the tie. As much as it would be funny. It would. Uh, if I were to be looking at a potential upset out of the West um, with this true full-fledged West matchup, it's going to be the next one. Yeah. And that's the Auburn-LSU game. Uh, the line currently sits at LSU uh, favored by 11. The over-under sitting at 61 for this game. Um, it is in Tiger Stadium there in Baton Rouge. I think this one is a trap game for Louisiana. Uh, Four and two overall uh, with their losses uh, um, coming from Florida State. And uh, I can't even remember who their other loss was right off the top of my head right now. Uh, But I think they're going to think that they can just cakewalk past Auburn. And Auburn's not going to have it. Like this one might be the signature win in in, uh, um, not Harson. Auburn's head coach. Hugh? Hugh Freeze. Yeah. And Hugh Freeze's uh, tenure here with Auburn. Um, Keep him on for another year. If he like, I him. don't think he's going to get Iron Bowl win in his first year, uh, taking on Alabama. I think that they're going to wind up getting the victory against LSU, which is going to further cement Alabama's spot as number one in the, in the SEC West. And basically everybody else below them are going to be fighting for second, but it's not even going to have any kind of implications because it's not going to mean anything this year. Yeah. So, so quite possibly, yet again, even sitting in week seven, looking at possibly another Georgia-Bama SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. More than likely. Damn. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is Alabama is, of course, trying to climb their way back into a top yeah. ten ranking, and we've mentioned it a couple of times the one time that Alabama in recent history has had a loss early in the season, they come back and won the national championship for that year. And this is also the first year in quite a while that I pointed out that Saban has been fiery on the sidelines. And maybe this this, this is going to be getting into his final year of coaching, if not this year, next year more than likely, just because the fact that 
that at his age and him to get fired up like that routinely is definitely not going to be good for his yeah. health. Uh, and, and not to wish anything like that, of course, on any no, kind of coach no, no, no. in any capacity. Uh, but and yeah, LSU is, is looking to climb a little bit. You know, they're still especially after they've dropped. They've yeah. dropped to twenty two. Um, you know, I mean, they were managed to, to knock Mizzou out of the top twenty five with their victory. Yes, just a couple weeks ago, they were in a, a offensive, just back and forth against Ole Miss. Coming off the win against Missouri, um, I think that they are due for a, a, an even bigger upset. Um, and, and I, I actually like they're due for it, but I, I don't know if you can do it. I don't know. This one's going to be hard for me to pick because I really. That's right. Ole Miss, Mississippi State are off this week. Yeah. I was just looking through trying to figure out uh, who exactly all is off this week. Yeah. For the SEC, and it would be Ole Miss and uh, uh, Mississippi State. The state of Mississippi has got the week off this week. Yes, the entire state. I don't know. As much as I'd love to see Auburn upset them, I don't know if they can. All right, so this is the one that we're we're going to be yeah. split on. We're we're on the same page for everything else. This is I the one that we're going to be split LSU on. LSU will be too high. Which reminds me, we'll need to to go back and mm-hmm. listen and and make sure that we get everything up to date on the the socials. Mm-hmm. And before we run out of time today, guys, speaking of the socials, um, you're going to see some changes coming up in the future. Uh, not only with the the Facebook pages, the the Instagram pages, but also with the studio's website. Um, some possible name changes, some possible different different monikers. It's always a, a work in progress with this as we, you know, mm-hmm. progressively get it all figured out and try to make it the best thing that it can be. Um, so just be on the watch out for those types of changes. Nothing other than the names yeah, uh, and, and the looks of stuff is going to be changed. Um, you're still going to have, of course, this, the Cocky Top podcast. We're still going to be doing Between Two Barrels. And, of course, we have now included 30 and Nerdy. So if you are looking for the outlet that you may have already known for all your nerddom, including mm-hmm. the Sweet Tea of the Nerdy South, uh, Mr. Tyler McDaniel, who is sitting across from me on this Cocky Top podcast, <clears throat> him and longtime friend Josh, do the 30 and nerdy podcast that encompasses the entirety of the world of nerd culture not limited to and also including professional wrestling Mm -hmm. uh something that i personally haven't been in since probably sometime in the early 2000s as much as i used to be uh but of course i grew up with the likes of the the original wwe uh with names like of course hulk hogan and andre the giant uh, Coco Beware, the uh, British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, Road Warriors, Hulk and Animal, like uh, uh, all these different um, uh, factions and, and individual icons. And of course, I probably finished uh, just as the Attitude Era was, was diminishing mm-hmm. at that point in time. Uh, but yes, you can definitely go and check that one out as well as this one and the between two barrels all brought to you uh of course none of it would be possible without tennessee legend distillery uh and crystal falls spirits absolutely 
Now, between two barrels this week, we've got a two-part interview with uh, a local paranormal investigator, squatch hunter, and performer, uh, as well as uh, train builder, model train builder, bluegrass musician. I mean, Cousin Timmy does it all. And and the comedy just flows naturally without any kind of hesitation. He's a funny guy. Just like his... His normal demeanor as he's explaining or telling these things, like there's not having to be any kind of pre-scripted anything. It just naturally flows. And the the timing, just with everything, is fantastic. And it is a great interview. We had a blast sitting here just talking to him uh, during... Before, during, and after, <laughs> after what is actually recorded, uh, as we we progress with this thing and we start getting some stuff like Patreons and stuff mm-hmm. like that going on uh, for some stuff. specific content, the the deleted stuff, the some behind the scenes, uh, working on trying to get some more of that type of footage and stuff for you guys. And more than anything else, just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. We are now double digits on both the between two barrels and cocky top podcast at this point it it has been an amazing ride up to this point and we want to make sure that it continues going we're still going to produce the content whether or not people are listening to it or not but we definitely want to invite you to invite your friends your family Mm -hmm. to listen to us as well don't forget to write to us at any point in time with with answers with questions with thoughts with concerns with ideas with anything to tldtube23 at gmail.com and we will try to get those answered and don't forget to follow us currently it is listed as legend studios on social media through both facebook and instagram once you do follow us there regardless of what changes do get made as far as the the name and the overall look and design of that page uh, you are still going to be able to, like I said, access all of that excellent content. So if you're a sports fanatic and, of course, listening to the Cocky Top Podcast, you will still be able to find it there. If you want to learn about what happens in the day-to-day life of working in an independent distillery here in the Smoky Mountains, get some uh, uh, fun facts, some little uh excerpts some little quips about some of the different folks that we get to experience some of the different questions that we get uh some of our new flavors coming out we'll also be giving you all kinds of behind the scenes and information that you would have to normally wait to get uh this will be the outlet on this side of things for tennessee legend distillery through the between two barrels podcast and of course like i said we are definitely thrilled to have Tyler and Josh of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast joining us here in Legend Studios. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited. Uh, It's going to be a a great partnership and a a great umbrella to be under. There's so much happening uh, at Tennessee Legend Distillery and with uh, with the growth of the distillery has given us this opportunity to grow uh, and evolve into other IPs, other media outlets. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is all in in uh, belief to to grow awareness of the distillery, but it's all like a symbiotic relationship of yeah. This will help this grow, but this also helps this grow, and and so it's just and not to mention another opportunity. Going ahead and getting onto the website, you can actually find we do have merch available now mm-hmm. for all three podcasts. So you can come in and I see 
today, Tyler, you are wearing yes, the Between, Between the, the Two Barrels, Barrels podcast shirt. It is shirt. a fantastic looking shirt. It's very nice. Um, very comfortable. I haven't gotten mine washed just yet. They still have the 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 new packing shirt the new shirt packing smell on it. Uh, smells a little vinegary. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely excited. The cocky top podcast shirt looks fantastic. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's got what would be kind of our cocky top logo on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we have the the X's and O's, the draw up of a play shape like a football on mm-hmm. there that is a, a really awesome design. Uh, we got them in the three-quarter length sleeves, so we got them in the baseball shirt design. Because we are making that transition into the cooler weather, uh, and since it is the sports podcast, we wanted to make sure and keep it in the sports realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, some of the best designs that you can find for any of them is included in the 30 and Nerdy segment of the store there on our webpage, including some of the... Uh, the road so far, uh, yes. which is a a, well, a uh, spinoff of Thirty and Nerdy. It's a a rewatch of Supernatural podcast, and and some of those uh, some of the the merchandise that mm-hmm. you all have designed, or mm-hmm. some of the designs that y'all have for for some of the merchandise uh, for those are, are fantastic. Uh, definitely planning on getting my wife uh, one of the cast yeah the Castiel. stickers the Castiel stickers yeah. Um, the one that's shaped like a, a, a prominent uh, DC hero. DC hero, yes. Yeah. Um, with one of his one of his most favorite quotes from season five. Hey, Asper. Yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. It's it really does. Cool. It's it's one of my favorite things to see on there. Uh, but guys, of course, as always, don't forget to send us in what your thoughts and predictions for this lineup slate of games is going to be. Um, do we want to do an outside the SEC this week? Ah, uh, yeah. Let's look at a bonus game before we close out here. Uh, we're going to keep it in the top 25? Yes. All right. I do right. think we should keep it in the top 25. Well, we've got Indiana, Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue, Syracuse, Florida State, California, Utah, Massachusetts, Penn State. Ah, here's one of the, the few uh, top 25 battles uh, for what would be the week where actually we've got three of them it looks like. Uh, four, sorry. UCLA, Oregon State, uh, number 18 versus number 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami, number 25 versus North Carolina, currently ranked at number 12. Uh, North Carolina still one of the few undefeated teams in the country. It's currently sitting at 5-0, and 2-0 in the ACC. That one's going to have ACC implications in that one. Mm-hmm. Who else? Ah, number 10, Southern Cal, University of Southern California is going to be traveling to Notre Dame Stadium there in Indiana in South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish, number 10, uh, Southern California, versus number 21, Notre Dame. And then the other one is going to be... It's the uh, Oregon-Washington game. Number 8, Oregon, yeah, traveling to, to Washington, number, number 7, seven Washington. Number number 8, facing each other. And both, both of them are undefeated. undefeated. So, yeah, that's the one that we're going to have to do. Oregon, uh, or sorry, Washington is currently favored by three points, and I think this is just baked in home field advantage for this one. But honestly, I think Oregon has more weapons, especially having more stuff on the defensive side of the ball than what Washington can handle. So I think that this is going to be an under 67, which is what the uh, 
over-under is currently for this game. Man, I, yeah. I, I think... Uh, uh, give me Oregon. Uh, give me Oregon, and I think it's going to be by more than three points. Okay. Yeah, it's hard for me to bet against the Ducks after watching them. It's hard for me to really think on this. Uh, you know, Oregon gave it to Colorado. Washington's quietly climbed and, and made its way into the top ten. Not talking a lot about Washington on the, the outlets as much as they are talking about Oregon. I've never really met, called myself an Oregon Ducks fan or a Washington fan. I've never really uh, cared too much about them in the in the collegiate my extent for for fandom of Oregon and Washington is is the fact that it's it's the Pacific Southwest, it's Bigfoot country. Uh, that's what that's what makes me pay most attention to those uh, states. Um, but to be honest, as hard as it is to to go against Oregon, I really want to lean towards Washington. I, I want. To, uh, maybe Washington, most people would say they haven't played anybody like Oregon. It's true. But, I mean, they are like the country's most high-power offense. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. is is a force. So, give me Washington. Give me Washington to uh, continue their undefeated streak and uh, knock the Ducks down a little bit and possibly shock Vegas and the country. All right, folks, that brings us to the end of this week's second part episode of our previews for week seven matchups for the SEC as well as our bonus game being the Oregon Ducks traveling to Husky Stadium there in Seattle, Washington to take on the Huskies. As always, guys, make sure you drop your predictions in on our different social media sites or at tldtube23 at gmail.com. And as always, on behalf of all of all Tyler McDaniel, I am forever to the Gamecock, Brian Lowe, and we will see you on the next episode.